Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all out this morning. Let's all bow our heads and we'll begin with a word of prayer. Our Father God, we're thankful for this day and for your goodness to us and this time that we can have together. And Father, we're thankful for America and the wonderful liberties that we have and being able to just to assemble together and hear the word of God. And we just ask your blessing on our country. We know, Father God, that there's that we have enemies, those that who hate everything that we as Christians stand for and this country stands for. And we just pray that you might build a hedge of spiritual and uh, physical protection about us. Now, Father, lead us into thy truth. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I'd take the promise that we have for today. If you've got Faith's checkbook, I hope everybody owns a copy of that. But uh, there's a magnificent promise in there for today. And this is in James 5, 8. Listen to this promise. It says, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Isn't that a wonderful promise that the Lord's coming back? But it gives us some good advice. Be patient. Well, I, I get very impatient when I see these evil people, don't you, that hate our country. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, they have no capacity to tell the truth. Uh, just lie after lie after lie. And I thought, Lord, uh, you know, they need to be thankful that I'm not the Lord. I would have brought judgment a long time ago. <laughs> but I need to be patient. Uh, Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 20, 19, 24, 24, 19. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. It's, evil, it's easy to fret ourselves, isn't it? Because of so many people in power. It seems like they get away with everything. No matter what they do, they get away with it. And uh, so we've got a, certainly a two-tier justice system. <laughs> These people, they, no matter what they do, they get away with it. Well, uh, there'll be a day when they'll stand before that great white throne. And the Word of God says they'll give an account for every idle word that they speak. And that, that's a, quite a thought, isn't it? So these, uh, these liars, are gonna, every knee is going to bow someday, and they're going to have to confess their sin and their lies, the things that they've told. So let's be patient. Okay, I'm preaching to myself here as well. Let's be patient. And then it says, establish yourself. You know, there's nothing more important in one sense. There's only one thing needful, what Christ told Martha. Uh, Mary was doing the one thing. There's only one thing needful. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning about Jesus, was she not, and the things of God. There's only one thing needful, that's what, that we're right with the Lord, that we're in the place spiritually that we ought to be. The only thing needful is for me and you to pray every day regularly, meditate in the scriptures every day, sit at Jesus' feet every day. That's the only thing that's needful. If we've got a right relationship with God, then everything else is going to take its place, is it not? So establish your hearts. I think that what that means is you be in the place spiritually you need to be. And we do that through prayer and meditation. Meditation in the scriptures takes the word of God from the mind to the heart. I think Charles Bridges, the old 19th century minister, wrote such a wonderful book. Well, I think it was Psalm 119 and some other things. He said, meditation in the scriptures bring forth all the graces of the Holy Spirit. I need to meditate in the word of God, and you do too. That's the only thing that's needful. If we get, if we get that priority straight, then uh, the, the coming of the Lord's our hope. That's a promise. He's coming back. So let's be patient. 
Let's be in the place spiritually that we need to be, and let's just wait for that blessed hope. Amen? Now, I'm going to explain this here in a few minutes what this is, but uh, we'll see this in the book of Daniel. It's got uh, 1,290 days. So he's added an extra 30 days into this, what's called the Great Tribulation. This whole chart is called the uh, Seven-Year Tribulation. But only the last three and a half years are called the Great Tribulation. Well, the time of Jacob's trouble, there's about 20-some different names that are given the time of indignation and so on. But then you've got another strange, unusual number, 335 days. And, uh, but we'll talk about that in just a minute, all right? Turn to Daniel chapter 11. and come. We got through Daniel 11 last time. We kind of hurried through the very end of it. In Daniel uh, chapters, uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 21 through 35, it talks about Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes. His, uh, his real name was uh, Antiochus IV. Remember, we're still talking about the Greek Empire. Remember, Alexander the Great was the ram who uh, conquered swiftly. So swiftly, the Word of God says his feet never touched the ground. Uh, Alexander the Great was a great military genius. His father was Philip of Macedon. At 18 years of age, uh, Alexander the Great was a hardened soldier. <laughs> by, 20 years of age, <clears throat> by 20 years of age, he uh, took over the, pre- uh, the, uh, the head of uh, Macedon. His father had been assassinated. And by 20 years of age, uh, he was a military genius. And he swept his army across Asia for seven years. And uh, conquered uh, all the way to the, uh, across the Indus River into India. He was an absolute military genius, never defeated on the battlefield. And for seven years, his army was away from home, conquering uh, all across Asia. Well, his army finally rebelled and said, look, we've been on the battlefield for seven years. It's time to go back home. And so his army sort of rebelled, and he uh, was on the way back, and he died in Babylon at uh, 32 years of age uh, in a drunken stupor, probably a fever. Um, one historian said he probably had malaria. Plus, he had uh, wounds from battle and malaria and, and was drinking and uh, I guess was quite a drunkard. And uh, so he died there in Babylon in uh, 332 A.D., I believe it was. And, uh, and so uh, they took his body eventually and buried and uh, transferred his body to Alexandria, Egypt. So as far as we know, he's buried in Alexandria, Egypt today. But quite a figure. The Word of God prophesied this thing. And, you know, 200 years before Alexander ever appeared on the stage of history. Uh, Bible prophecy. There's something like 135 prophecies fulfilled there in Daniel chapter 11. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, we looked at, but Antiochus the Epiphanes, that word Epiphanes means a, a manifestation of God. He probably saw himself as the earthly human manifestation of the god Zeus. And he went in and defiled the temple and erected a statue of Zeus there in the, Jew, in the temple, there in Jerusalem. He earlier had slaughtered a hog, a sow, on the altar to uh, show his contempt for Judaism. He stopped the sacrifices. He probably killed well over close to 100,000 Jews. He came into Jerusalem two or three times and, uh, and uh, attacked. He hated the Jews and tried to destroy the Jewish religion. So we see in him a type or a picture of the Antichrist. We see that in uh, Daniel 11:21 21 through 35. 
And then between 35, uh, verse 35 and 36 in Daniel 11, there's a great gap. They go from the Antiochus Epiphanes, a type of the Antichrist, to the actual Antichrist. So there's a great gap between verses 36, 35 and 36. Now, let's come, so in verse 36 begins to talk about the actual Antichrist. So you have a great time gap. And so let's come down, but rather than looking at that whole passage we touched on this last week, but come down to verse 40 of Daniel 11, where it's again talking about the Antichrist now. In verse 40, it says, And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him. The time of the end is, by the way, this, I think, this last uh, 1,290 days, that second half of the tribulation, called the Great Tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, Jeremiah uses that term, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. At that time of the end shall the king of the south, do you remember, uh, who is the king of the south? He's the king of what countries? Anybody remember? King of the south? This is Egypt. And this probably represents probably some African nations like a Sudan, a modern Sudan, uh, perhaps uh, Ethiopia, uh, 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 Libya, and so on. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him. Now the Antichrist is going to be in power, but he's never able to quite uh, bring every nation under complete control. There's always going to be some conflict and some opposition to Antichrist. So Antichrist is in power now after this into the second half of the Great Tribulation. And so he's going to get an African army uh, from the south attack him. All right, and the, at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, push at the Antichrist. And the king of the north, and I remember what country that is, the king of the north. Okay, this is Syria. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Antichrist is going to be uh, in the middle of a pincher, militarily speaking, a pincher movement. Uh, the African army from the south, led uh, perhaps by Egypt, will attack Antichrist. And then the army from the north, the Syrians, uh, will attack Antichrist from the north. And so that's kind of the, uh, what's going on here. And shall come against him like a whirlwind, and chariots, and with horsemen, and with many ships, now, these ships are going to come from Rome. Uh, so the, uh, the, uh, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. So he's going to uh, successfully defy these armies and win and defeat these armies that are attacking him from the north and from the south. He shall enter also into the glorious land. This is Jerusalem. He's going to relocate his headquarters from probably from Babylon here to, into Jerusalem. And many countries shall be overthrown. He's going to be a magnificent military leader, military genius, no doubt, and he's going to win some great military victories. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Those three nations make up modern Jordan. And so they're going to be able to escape from the Antichrist and not come under his control. Verse 42, he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. He's going to go back into Egypt now and conquer Egypt and uh, confiscate their wealth. 
and the Libyans and the Ethiopians, that probably modern Sudan, uh, that area of the country, Ethiopia, shall be at his steps. But tidings of the, uh, all right, now he's consolidated his political power. He's defeated these nations, but they're still, now he's still going to get further opposition. Moving to Jerusalem, the glorious land, uh, there's still going to be opposition. He's going to get opposition from the east. And uh, the prophecy scholars are not sure what all this is. They think it's probably China. According to the book of uh, the Revelation, the Euphrates River will dry up. One of the great debates is uh, rather, uh, the Word of God here talks about uh, bows and arrows and horses and shields. Uh, the, Euph- uh, the Euphrates River drying up. So this, this army of about two million, probably coming from China, will be riding horses. All that indicates that, uh, you know, do we, well, today in, <laughs> in modern warfare, do we worry about rivers drying up and getting across dried rivers? No. We've got jets. We've got aircraft. Well, uh, this suggests that one of the great debates is, is there going to be, are these weapons figurative? Are they really figurative of simply uh, modern jets, warfares, uh, modern bombs, nuclear bombs, and so on? Well, you know, I think it's quite possible if, if, if in the great uh, tribulation with all the earthquakes and disasters and floods and water turning to blood and so on, is it possible that it'll be, uh, it'll be impossible to produce petroleum? You know, if you don't have petroleum, you can't have jets, you can't have guns, you can't have anything. And you, you already see some of the problems today with the, the struggling over, uh, you can't even have uh, electric cars without petroleum, can you? That's what uh, produces electricity. This whole uh, environmental movement is so phony, is it not? <laughs> but anyhow, the, uh, is it possible that, there'll be, uh, that we can't extract petroleum? Uh, get oil from the ground and we'd be reduced to riding horses, would we not? And bows and arrows and spears. And uh, the, uh, the Euphrates River drying up, I think it's, uh, it's, it suggests the idea that maybe there won't be any uh, jets and aircraft and things like that. There will have to be riding horses. And so who knows? <laughs> but I, I think I, I like to be as literal with the Bible as I can. And I think... Uh, I think perhaps the, 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 the riding horses and so on. Somebody said that, like, is it Russia has, and China uh, uh, raising millions of horses. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe these, uh, these armies will be riding horses at, at, in the tribulation period. All right. But the tidings will come out of the east. Maybe this is China uh, moving its armies uh, uh, from Asia, coming across the Euphrates River. Uh, heading towards uh, Babylon, towards Jerusalem, and uh, in opposition to the Antichrist. And out of the north. Now, some thinks that, uh, some prophecy scholars think that this again, Russia, said so the Battle of Gog and Magog have taken, maybe has taken place about uh, five, six years earlier, uh, shortly after the beginning of the seven year tribulation. And so maybe Russia has recouped its army after the battle of Gog and Magog, and this, uh, this invasion from the north again is a, is a revitalized Russia with its armies. Well, a lot of this is speculation. It's, uh, we don't really know for sure, but it makes good preaching, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's interesting <laughs> uh, to speculate. 
It says, Battalions out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him, the Antichrist. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make uh, away many. Talking about the Antichrist now, reacting to this invasion from the north and from the east. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. What is the glorious holy mountain? Yeah, uh, uh, the Temple Mount, where Jerusalem will have its uh, temple and so on. And yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. Talking about the Battle of Armageddon and the end of Antichrist, the second coming of Christ. All right, so that's just sort of a brief overview of, of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation period. He'll conquer many nations. He'll conquer the Egyptian a confederacy. He'll con- conquer the Syrian confederacy and uh, he'll uh, ba- basically conquer many other countries. Uh, Jordan will escape. Jordan will get a, uh, for some reason. But uh, then when he thinks his position is solidified and he'll hear a rumor out of the east, now the north, he's going to have to, uh, he's, these countries are going to invade. Try to invade uh, the Holy Land and destroy Antichrist. Well, when they come into that uh, into the glorious land, they'll, they'll unite against Christ. Instead of attacking the Antichrist, uh, the army from the east, army from the north, will join with the Antichrist and try to oppose Christ at the second coming of Christ. That's kind of an overview of that. All right, now come to, verse, or to chapter 12. And at that time, that time now is the great tribulation here. It says, Michael will stand up you remember, Michael is the guardian of Israel. So Michael is going to evidently stand up and watch what's going to happen in this great tribulation period. I don't know why they're saying Michael stands up, but the guardian of Israel will stand up and probably to observe the, uh, the great tribulation period. All right, but anyhow, <clears throat> it says, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, the children of thy people, this is always Israel, thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble. All right, this is, this, this is this great tribulation called the time of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. So it's making reference now to this second part of the tribulation, second half of the tribulation period. Such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. There's never been a time in all of human history when the terrible wrath and judgment of God will be poured out on people, on these unbelievers, on the Antichrist, and these rebels against God. Uh, there's been times of great trouble and difficulty, but never, never in history has there ever been a time when the wrath of God has been so poured out and such disaster and tragedy. Uh, it says, And at that time thy people shall be delivered and every one that shall be found written in the book of life. Now, I believe the book of life, uh, everybody that's born into this world is placed in the book of life. And uh, over time, when people come to the place of accountability, I don't know when that is. I think it varies. Some like to say it's 12. I know one uh, man that says that, that nobody's accountable to age 20. Well, I think accountability comes when you come to the place where you know uh, about the gospel and you can reject the gospel and understand the gospel and accept it. I think it might be 10 years old. I think it might be 12 years old. Uh, I think it depends on your understanding. Uh, 
But anyhow, uh, when, you come to the, when you come to the age of accountability, I believe your name is taken out of the book of life. Or perhaps it comes to the place where you unknowingly reject the gospel. But everybody's name is in the book of life that's born into this world. It's the book of life. Those who live, those who are born into the world. But uh, then names can be blotted out. When you reject the gospel, you die in your sin, your name is taken out of the book of life. All right? And delivered everyone that shall be found written in the book. When you get saved and you put your faith in Christ as your Savior, then you're, I guess there's a sense in which they put you back, uh, God put you back in the book of life. So if you're here today and you know the Lord is your Savior, you're, you're in the book of life. Verse 2. So that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, verse 2 is about the great the resurrection. The Word of God has taken us now beyond the end of the uh, great tribulation. And we've come to the place now where the second coming of Christ. Right, at the second coming of Christ, there's going to be a great resurrection. And those that are resurrected at the end of the tribulation period will be the Old Testament saints. And the tribulation martyrs. So at the end of the seven-year tribulation, there'll be a resurrection of all those who are true believers. By the way, when did the church, when was the church resurrected? One sentence. The church was resurrected right, right here, wasn't it? Before the tribulation. So when the, all of us, those of us who are believers, the church will be resurrected uh, right at the, we call that the rapture. By the way, when does the tribulation period begin? Anybody know? There's a, there's a specific event that begins the tribulation period, the seven-year tribulation period. No. After we raise, if we raise up to heaven, then tribulation gonna start. Yes. Yeah. But uh, but when does the tribulation period, uh, uh, the seven-year tribulation, start? Many think it's at the rapture, but it doesn't start at the rapture. There's what, what event actually begins the tribulation period? There may be a period of time between the rapture and then this other event that technically begins the tribulation period. Uh, well, I think the seals begin to be opened in the first half. It's not the seal. I don't think. <laughs> Could be. All right. Remember when Antichrist will sign a treaty with Israel. We don't know how this could be a few days after the rapture, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. So we don't know what goes on in between the rapture and the signing of the treaty. It might be maybe within a few days of the rapture. We don't know. But technically, the signing of the treaty with Israel with, by Antichrist, with Antichrist, begins the seven-year tribulation period. Okay. So uh, these people here now will be resurrected. The Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected at the end of the Great Tribulation, at the second coming of Christ. All these uh, 
people that died during this time period, the Christians, the believers, the Jews and others that died during this time period were martyred by Antichrist, they'll also be resurrected at the end of the, uh, of the period. Now look back at this verse again. It says, verse 2, it says, And many of them shall sleep in the dust of the earth, shall awake, some to everlasting life. That's the believers. That's the Old Testament saints and the tribulation martyrs. Some that will awake to everlasting life. And then some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a second resurrection. This is a resurrection of the unbelievers and the rebels against God. But now, the, for a long time, the saints, particularly back in the 19th century, taught what they called the general resurrection. The Reformed theologians of the amillennialists, they teach a general resurrection. That the saved and unsaved will all be resurrected at the same time. But uh, turn over the Revelation 20. Let me show you that they, everybody's not, this, and though this verse gives the appearance of a general resurrection, it's not really teaching a general resurrection. Believers will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period, Old Testament saints and tribulation saints. But the unsaved, it'll be a thousand years before they're resurrected. And so uh, it's not teaching a general resurrection that everybody will be resurrected at the same time. Turn over to the book of the Revelation chapter 20. And here it gives the sequence of the resurrection. Revelation chapter 20. Come down to verse 5. Well, go, go to verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast. Now, the context here is the great tribulation period, right, where Antichrist is going to compel people to worship him and so on. Uh, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So we're talking about believers now being resurrected before the millennium. Okay? Now look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So those of us that are saved, we all, today we got, we, resurre we got resurrected at the rapture of the church. Right? Into the tribulation period, in the first, at the end of the tribulation, the Old Testament saints and uh, martyrs of the tribulation will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation period. But the unsaved will not be resurrected till for another thousand years at the end of the millennium. Then they'll, fa they'll face the great white throne judgment. I heard some of one of these old country songs. Uh, they were singing about what a wonderful day that will be at the great white throne. Well, they really kind of had their prophecy messed up a little bit. That won't be a wonderful day. <laughs> uh, the great white throne is the, uh, where the unregenerate will be judged. But anyhow, so you see that uh, those, the unsaved, will not be resurrected, even Old Testament or any other unsaved, unregenerate, they'll not be resurrected till after the millennium, at the end of the millennium. All right, let's come back to our chapter. Daniel chapter 12, 
Come down to verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. It's talking about those that are resurrected now. Who are wise people? <laughs> Just makes good sense. It's to, uh, anybody that gets saved is a wise person. If you're smart enough to get... Just being saved is good sense, isn't it? <laughs> being wise. And so all those that are saved. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. When we see Jesus, we'll be like him. Amen. We're all predestinated to be like Jesus. Predestination has nothing to do with salvation. We're all predestinated to be like Jesus. <laughs> That'd be a wonderful day, won't it? And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. Who are going to be wonderfully bright and radiant and who will shine as stars forever? Who is this, has, this has reference to a particular kind of Christian, I think. What kind of Christian is going to shine as a star forever? Those that turn many to righteousness. Uh, we all need to be after souls and love sinners, do we not? The Lord promises a wonderful, wonderful reward for those that turn many to righteousness. When you give somebody a track or you give them a witness and they get saved, God's going to bless you. There's a special blessing on those that love sinners and stay after sinners, try to get folks saved. That's what it's talking about here. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. I think these are sort of signs uh, foreshadowings of the uh, of the tribulation period will be a time of great running to and fro, great activity, and knowledge shall be increased. Uh, that certainly happens every day. Knowledge constantly de increases, does it not? And so, uh, anyhow, said for Daniel to seal the book. Uh, basically, a, a, for a long time, a lot of these things weren't. Uh, how do we know that prophecy was fulfilled? If you know history, uh, all kinds of prophecy has been fulfilled as a result of history, has it not? We know things people didn't know, uh, you know, 3,000 years ago. But because now we've seen history, we've seen the, the rise of these four great world empires and the, uh, the four generals take over Alexander's empire, these, uh, these, uh, the Egyptians and the, uh, and the Syrian empires are basically the result of the Greek empire of Alexander. Uh, we see the 135 prophecies been fulfilled. They estimate about 109 prophecies were fulfilled with the coming of Christ. Well, people that lived before that time didn't see all these prophecies fulfilled. So there was a sense in which that book has been sealed, the book of Daniel. Has it? Now we understand all these things. So we know things today, all these prophecies have been fulfilled that we know about that people a long time ago didn't know about. So now we're seeing these books, uh, you might say in one sense, these books being opened and being revealed, the, the things that we see. All right. Um, then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two. There's two angels now on each side of the river, and they're going to, uh, let's see what they did. The one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? All right, they're asking, how long is this terrible tribulation going to go on? <laughs> and so, and look at verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, 
and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half, three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Talk, talking about the Antichrist scattering the Jews and persecuting the Jews and killing the Jews, the people of God. And I heard, but I understood not. These Old Testament prophets didn't always understand what they were writing about, evidently. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? When is this terrible, terrible time of Jacob's trouble? When's this great tribulation going to end? This is the cry. And then the answer is given, and he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Talking about believers and unbelievers in the tribulation period. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. Now, when in this seven-year period was the daily sacrifice taken away? When did Antichrist go into the temple and prevent the sacrifices from being offered and set himself up as God? Christ and all of this court called it the abomination of desolation. When's that going to take place? This, when the abomination that makes desolate. <laughs> When's Antichrist... Yeah, halfway, it's midpoint. Yeah, right here. Here, okay. The abomination of desolation at the midpoint. Antichrist will uh, stop the sacrifices, will declare war on the Jews and murder and, uh, and martyr the Jews and the people of God, the believers as well. But he's going to stop the sacrifices. It's called the abomination that makes desolate. It's abomination for Antichrist to go into that temple and set himself up as God and oppose God and oppose Christ. That's an abomination, something God hates. <laughs> that abomination will make desolate uh, the, the, the worship of the Jews and so on. All right, that's at the midpoint now of the tribulation. That's what it's talking about here. So then from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Now the Jewish calendar of three and a half years, only 200 and 1260 days. So Daniel has somehow added an extra 30 days in here. <laughs> and uh, the prophecy scholars debate this. They don't know what to make of that 30 days, and I'm not sure I know what to make of it either. But what they think is that Antichrist will make some kind of an announcement here. That in 30 days, the sacrifices will cease. So it's giving people time to prepare for his worship. And so perhaps he's giving them notice. And maybe it's at this time where Christ in the, the Olivet Discourse says, look, uh, when the abomination that makes desolate takes place, you need to flee. And don't go down. If you're on the rooftop, don't go down and get your clothes. Don't go down and get your property. You flee as fast as you can. So maybe it's during this 30-year period. And so uh, when the Israel will flee to Petra, there in southern Jordan, and we'll flee to uh, different areas and, and go and hide. Don't, don't stop. And if you're in the field, don't go back and get your coat. <laughs> you flee. All right. That's as when you hear the, when you see this happen, then you know it's time to flee. And so that's what this is all about here. So uh, 
in this second half, there's uh, 1260 days plus 30 days, 1290. The Jewish calendar recognizes only 360 days. So three and a half years in the Jewish calendar makes up 1260 days. But somehow Daniel's added another 30 days, so it's 1290 days. All right, let's look and then look at another um, Verse 12, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. So now there's another time period that is very, a great puzzle to the prophecy, to the students of prophecy. It's 335 days. And whoever makes it to the 335 days is going to be blessed. So this is 45 days after the end of the tribulation. 45 days after the second coming of Christ. And I think maybe during this time, God will judge the Gentiles, judge the Jews. There'll be judgment and so on to determine who will enter into the, uh, into the millennium. And so that's probably what these 13 and 35 days. So there's an extra 45 days beyond the millennium, or I'm sorry, 445 45 days after the second coming. And so 1,335 days, this time period begins with the abomination of desolation. So it's 1,335 days uh, from the abomination of desolation to the end of this 335-day period. Does that make any sense? Well, okay. Verse 13. But go thy way, but go thou thy way to the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. A wonderful promise given to Daniel. Daniel, you'll be resurrected and uh, you'll... Uh, have rest, you'll have peace, you'll have the blessing, you'll be blessed, and you'll be going into the, uh, uh, into the millennial period. And so the uh, Old Testament saints, the martyrs of the tribulation, uh, all those that are not martyred, uh, they'll, they'll constitute those who will go into the millennium. There's a great debate over who will be in the millennium and who won't and things like that. How about the church? Where are we going to be? Are we going to be on the earth during the millennium or what? Some people believe that we'll be up in the New Jerusalem up above the earth and maybe we'll be able to climb Jacob's ladder up and down and go down into the earth and back up into heaven. As saints, we don't know. But we are, we are given the promise that, that we'll rule with him during the millennium. So some of you might be presidents and senators and uh, governors. We don't know. We all, it's, evidently being in politics is a wonderful reward for those who are believers, is not? So we don't know. All right, well, uh, I guess I've thoroughly confused you, but that'll be, a, that'll be a good place to stop, right? Let's all pray and we'll be dismissed.